Is the best Chicago White Sox ace since 2000 Mark Burley, Chris Sale, or Lucas Giolito? Is the best White Sox hitter Jose Abreu or Paul Konerko? Barstool Chicago's White Sox Dave joins me on this episode of Radical Rankings to discuss our top 10 Chicago White Sox players since 2000. This is Radical Rankings. Hello and welcome listeners, this is Radical Rankings. I am your host, David Dolgan, providing new top 10 lists every episode across all major sports. Make sure you're following the podcast at Rad Rankings on Instagram and Twitter. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode of Radical Rankings. All right, everybody, and welcome to Radical Rankings. I am David Dolgan, and I am joined by Barstool's Chicago White Sox Dave. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. And to start off, uh, Dave, I know you're a big White Sox fan. You want to introduce yourself to everyone, tell everyone, you know, how you became a White Sox fan, your story behind that? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, pretty simple. Uh, my dad grew up on the South Side, and uh, I think most sports fans kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, following their parents' footsteps. My mom grew up on the East Coast. Um and as a Mets fan randomly, not randomly for her, but uh, my dad's a Sox fan and uh, just kind of born and raised that way. Uh, live and breathe White Sox baseball. And it's pretty much as simple as that. Like favorite team through and through in any sport. Uh, I think like all my, all my emotions, finances, and, you know, mental well-being into them. So uh, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty much a similar story with me. I actually grew up on the North side of Chicago. Uh, but I, I started getting into baseball around like 08, 09 when I was a really little kid in 08. Uh, I don't know if uh, people on here remember, but the White Sox and Cubs were both really good at the time. And I think they were both the one seed. I don't know for a fact, but I remember uh, people would always ask me if I'm a White Sox or Cubs fan. I, I didn't know. I was too young at the time. And I just thought the White Sox were a cooler team, the uniforms, the energy behind it. And my mom also was a big time White Sox fan. So she was the main reason I'd say, but that was all part of it. But for anyone who wanted to know, that's that's my story on uh, becoming a White Sox fan. Without further ado, uh, you want to get in the list now? Let's do it. All right, starting off at number 10, how about you start us off, Dave? All right, so for number 10, I had Alexi Ramirez. Uh, won a couple silver sluggers, uh, really good shortstop. And I'm so for this, for this ranking, how I did it was um, more players that I, I, I'm not talking necessarily about specific statistical output from players, more players that kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, resonated with me personally as a fan. So um, Frank Thomas technically was like eligible for this list. Cause you asked me for players since 2000. Yeah. Yeah. He was. eligible. Oh, he was kind of done with the white Sox prior to them being, you know, the World Series team, he got hurt yeah. that year. So I didn't have him on my list. I want to clarify that before I start. So I had Alexi Ramirez at number 10, just a really good, solid player. Um, unfortunately, he was not on the World Series team. Uh, he probably would have been better, statistically at least, than Juan Uribe, even yeah. though Juan Uribe was as clutch as they came back then. Uh, but I had Alexi Ramirez, just smooth as smooth as could be at shortstop. And um, – uh, just a really good hitter. I, I want to say he hit four grand slams his rookie year alone um, and just solid across the board. Uh, I love Alexi Ramirez. Yeah, I, I did love Alexei. Um, my list, uh, before I start, it, it, it is – mine is a little different than yours. It was definitely more from a statistical standpoint. Uh, it definitely had 
a little bit to do with you know uh their uh what's it called their um how how they were in relations to winning baseball games well you know that world series team their uh impact on that team but a lot of it was from a statistical standpoint alexa unfortunately did miss out on the list at number 10 i do have a different chicago white Sox shortstop and that's another none other than tim anderson i know it might be a little premature he's got uh i think four and a half seasons with the white Sox because his first season he played about half um, a little more than half the season but his last two years, I mean, he's just been incredible. One, I think it was like a 140 WRC plus this year, like a 130 the year before. I love, I mean, Alexei was, you know, he was on the team for longer, but Tim Anderson, his best years are ahead of him, but I still think what he's done so far, the energy he's brought to the team and he's, and he's, you know, he's that probably that main piece when it comes to the energy behind this current White Sox team and his numbers, at least right now at his peak right now, I think he's good enough to be top 10. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't disagree with that at all. I have him on my list. Uh, I guess I'll save that for when I do get to him, though. Okay, awesome. Uh, moving on, number nine. Uh, number nine, I'm going with Jose Quintana. 115 ERA plus. I think it was a 1.250 whip with the White Sox. Five and a half seasons. 2.4 walks per nine in his career with the White Sox. And he was a really solid pitcher. I remember the issue with him was we'd always pull him out of the ball game and the relievers would always blow it with him every year. And now he's known for the trade that got us Aloy and Cease. And I remember, you know, that season he wasn't doing so well and it really helped us out. But Jose Quintana was a really solid pitcher for multiple years with Chris Sale, obviously. Uh, but I think the numbers, people forget how solid of a pitcher Jose Quintana was in a White Sox uniform. And so because of that, I'm going number nine, Jose Quintana. Yeah, he, I mean, he was, he was steady as could be, like you said, uh, just nothing but no decision after no decision. Never really got the respect he deserved. And I remember when I, like, I originally wanted the White Sox to start the rebuild back in like 2014. And um, I'm, I was telling people like, hey, Jose Quintana will get a crazy return in a package. He's young. He's good for 200 innings every year. He's left-handed. Um, he's controlled. He's cheap. Like he's going to return a mass package. And just because he's not some flame-throwing as I put it, a sexy pitcher, like he's not striking a ton of guys out yeah. or, you know, dominating games. Um, people thought I was crazy and look what happened. He got Eloy and who I think is going to be huge this year, Dylan C. Oh, yeah. um, he was not on my top 10. Um, I thought he was just too much. Like he, he was never, he, I know he made one all-star game with the Sox, but um, never like a dominant pitcher. He was just steady as could be, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, it's just, I, I looked for more, kind of star power on this list yeah I agree he didn't really bring that star power I do think uh how solid he was and consistent he was throughout the years uh and and what we got back from him uh that's my reason for number nine but I could totally see where you're coming from so yeah Jose Quintana is my number nine White Sox player since 2000 love it should I go on to my number nine now yeah yeah uh, I so for my number nine, I got Aaron Rowand. Uh, this might be a little too old for you, but he was like the epitome of the 2005 grinder ball Chicago White Sox. He would smash his face into a wall, diving for a ball, just record out in like a Tuesday afternoon May game, just because he really embodied and breathed their motto of winner die trying. And that's it, that's what he did. I loved him. Uh, and like I said to start, like he wasn't necessarily some you know, putting up crazy numbers, even though he did hit 310 one year. And uh, in that same year, he hit 24 bombs. But he was just like, 
he was just awesome in every way. Like gold glove caliber defense, clutch hitting. He was just, he was, he was one of my favorite players ever, to be honest. Only one all-star game. He did sign a huge deal uh, with the Phillies. Uh, I think he made $65 million on that deal, which back then was a, you know, a huge, huge contract. So uh, he's number nine on my list. Yeah, Aaron Rowan, uh, he didn't make my list. Uh, he, he was, I never watched him play because that was before my time. Uh, and a lot of it was because this was from more of a statistical standpoint. I, he, I didn't see that from him, but I could see to where you're coming from. Without him, who knows if we would have won the title? Probably not. He was one of the, I think it was, how many All-Stars were there on that 05 team? Four or five? I think it was, uh, I believe it was Rowan, uh, Paulie, uh garland and i think that it's scotty pods i'm pretty sure he was not a he was not a all-star that year scotty pods was canerco was uh creedy might have been i'm not positive but i know uh that was that was the, so white Sox fans voted uh scotty pods in that year i remember okay okay and then yeah. he was like the 26 man or whatever where the fans can vote for the last player and um, then uh, Canerco got in. I think AJ might have got in that year, too. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. But, yeah, Aaron Rowan was uh, definitely one of the key pieces of that team in that outfield. Just a great fielder. Uh, I know that White Sox fans loved watching him. So, that was a great pick. Uh, you want to share your number eight one now? Yeah, number eight. I'm going right back to the 2005 White Sox. I'm going to Bobby Jenks. Um, I mean, he was absolutely dominant for a stretch. And the White Sox, I don't think, win the World Series without him. Yeah. Um, I mean, they picked him up off the scrap because he got in trouble with uh, the Angels in their system. And uh, for a three- or four-year stretch, he was arguably the best reliever in baseball. Just complete wipeout stuff. Uh, he had good control, like throwing 100. His hook was disgusting. And, um, like, to this day, like, he's one of the best relievers the White Sox have ever, ever had. And they've had a long history of good relievers. Like, he – I mean, Bobby Thigpen had the, the saves record for a while, and um, Bobby Jenks broke that with the team. So Bobby Jenks is checking in number eight for me. Yeah, I was considering putting Bobby Jenks. He, he again, didn't make my list. I just it, – it was tough for me to put a closer in there. Uh, I totally could see where you're coming from. You know, without he, no question, they weren't going to win it without Bobby Jenks. So I, I, I totally understand that. And he was a really – he was, he was a really a uh, character on that team. So Bobby Jenks, uh, yeah, definitely a good selection. I'm going to move on to my number eight. Uh, this is probably a little low, but again, because of the fact that it's from a statistical standpoint, I didn't have him as high as you probably do. And he is my favorite White Sox player of all time, and he's what made me become a huge fan of the White Sox, and that's A.J. Pierzynski. Uh, I mean, I just think his hitting numbers weren't there for me to put him higher because I'm trying to do this from more of a statistical standpoint. Uh, but the energy he brought to that to that White Sox team is is unlike that. I mean, they, that was like one of the main reasons we won it. Uh, that energy that he and Ozzy really brought, and you know that everyone will remember that fight in 06 with the Cubs, and you know the drop third strike against the Angels. AJ Pierzynski was my favorite player growing up, and still probably my favorite player. I wear number twelve whenever I played sports as a kid. I would always wear number twelve because of AJ and. Yeah, AJ Pruszynski, number eight, because of the energy he brought to the team. Yeah, so he is. I got him on my list at um, number seven, which yeah. is which I'll go with now. Um, he, like you said, you you took the words right out of my mouth. He was he was like the rock on that team. Obviously, the catcher position is are you 
it's probably the most uh, important defensive position on the field. Yeah. Um, they're controlling the game. <clears throat> they're quarterbacking the game top to bottom. He was as smart as they come. He wasn't like some – like, that was my favorite thing about him. Like, he was such a good base runner, but he wasn't faster stealing bases. He was just taking extra bases because he knew exactly where the defense was at all times, just as smart as could be. But like you said, he, he was never like – which is weird because he's like fifth or sixth all time for hits as a catcher because he had such a long uh, career. Yeah, but, he uh, never like He was similar to Quintana. He never put up those sexy stats. He was good for like 15 or 18 home runs a year. And like he did hit 300 a few times, but he was more around 280 with a you know somewhat lower on base. But he was just good. He was really good, steady presence on that team. And, and like Jenks, the Sox don't win it without him. Yep, that's that's very true. And moving on to number seven, uh, I'd say maybe the most underrated White Sox player since 2000. Uh, I, I know the big White Sox fans definitely know how good he was, and that is the World Series MVP, Jermaine Dye. Uh, the numbers that this guy put up were incredible. I had I went back and did since 2000. I went back and looked at who I think were the. the I went back and like did the top five best hitters in each league since 2000 and I looked and in 06 Jermaine Dye finished uh I had him coming in fifth Jermaine Dye multiple seasons he had he had like 150 OPS plus after 150 OPS plus year he was an incredible player the World Series MVP such a humble smart player and he was an incredible hitter and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves no not really I mean even when his last year so in 2009, he was 35 years. Is that's yeah. when he came up. He hit 250. He got him base at a 340 clip. Had a um, he had a, a 102 OPS plus, and um, he had 27 bombs. Like that's not really like a, a, a season you necessarily hang him up on. And for some reason, like nobody wanted him. He's just like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's 35. He won a World Series, World Series MVP. And, like he'll to me, he'll go down as one of my favorite White Sox ever because he was such a dominant cleanup hitter for the White Sox uh, for that stretch of uh, season. So um, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with him. I had him a spot higher uh, for my um, number six. I had, and this is gonna this is gonna be a weird one because he uh, he was, I mean, he his career still had of him a little bit but he never won anything with the Sox and he, he was, he was traded. So I'm going with Chris sale. He was, he's probably the best pitcher in organization history. He was my favorite. Like he was appointment television for me. I did not miss a Chris sale start, whether it be on my couch or at the stadium. Yeah. I loved watching him pitch. It's just that, I mean, the team stunk when he was on him. So like, I've gone with uh, players so far that were like winners with the White Sox. Chris Sale, unfortunately, the White Sox never built around him, which is by no fault of his own. It's by fault of uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and upper management. But Chris Sale would, would check in at number six for me. Yeah, uh, I actually have a really funny story about Chris Sale. So back in 2016, uh, I was headed to the game. I was headed to a game on the red line, and I remember – uh, this was my, my first time seeing Chris Sale in a few years, and I was really excited to go to this game. Uh, my handyman, one of the nicest people I know, he he got us tickets. And I was headed to the game, and I get an alert that Chris Sale got sent home with the flu or, or he was sick. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and that, and I was not happy. And then I get to the game and there's all these rumors that he was traded and all this. I'm like, what is going on? And then later uh, we find out uh, that a lot of White Sox fans know about this is he, he didn't like the throwback jerseys we were wearing that game and he cut them up. And so instead I, I get to see uh, Matt Albers pitch and it, it was a really fun day. I also happened to uh, catch a, uh, my only foul ball ever from Miggy Cabrera in that game. It was a really fun game. Uh, Chris Sale did not end up pitching, but whenever, you know, I think of Chris Sale, I think of that game. It was, it was such a fun day. And even though he didn't pitch, I really had a good time at that game. And it'll be a story I was that can tell for you. I was tailgating and uh, I just, I was the same thing. I was like looking on my phone and looking at Twitter mm-hmm. and everything like, what is going on right now? Something's yeah. up. Like I, I thought he was traded and yeah. um, he wasn't, it was just, that was, like that's that is another reason why he's like lower on my list than he probably should be is because like the teams were so bad and not only were they bad like that team in specifically with like Adam LaRoche, Drake yeah. LaRoche, Jimmy Rons, uh, Matt Latos that it was so dysfunctional yeah. that I hated it. Like mm-hmm. it was also the point where I said like f these guys like I can't stand them. Yeah. Um, even though I loved Chris Sale, but mm-hmm. um, I do think he's going to bounce back. He had Tommy John last year, obviously didn't pitch in the shortened season, but I think mm-hmm. he'll bounce back and he'll be, he'll be pretty good for, for the Red Sox. It sucks that he's never won a Cy Young. Cause I think that he is still on a hall of fame path. He's got the world series. He closed the world series for the Red Sox in 2018. Um, but yeah, he's, for the reasons I described, he's just a little lower on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that. I mean, with Chris Sale, it was just, that was Chris Sale's career with the White Sox was basically just a, those years were just the worst years it was to be a White Sox fan. So I could, uh, you know, I, I understand that ranking and uh, moving on to my number six. Uh, I actually do have Frank Thomas. Uh, yeah. Hit the bulk of his career obviously was from the 1990s, but you still look at his 2000 stats, uh, 163 OPS plus in 2000. Uh, he didn't, he missed a lot of games in 01, but in 02, 119 OPS plus, 03, 146 OPS plus. Uh, he was, and then 04 and 05, he did miss a lot of games, but he was still an incredible hitter when he played in those games and the seasons that he played, those seasons were MVP like seasons. Were they good enough to win it? No, but they were, they were every year. He was still one of the best players in baseball in those five or six years that he was in a white Sox uniform. And I, I had to pay the respects to Frank Thomas. And I think with those numbers, I do believe uh, as a hitter in the 2000s still, I, I would put him as the sixth best pl- player uh, since 2000 for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, and I, I would not argue with that at all, not in any way. Um, like I said, like he, his career was just on the tailswing and he was more of a 90s guy. I, like I grew up watching Frank Thomas. He was my first ever favorite player when I was a little kid. I remember his MVP seasons back in 93, 94 because I'm old. But, um, like, to this day, like, first ballot Hall of Famer, best player in organization's history. You could argue that he's one of the very best hitters in, in the game's history, let alone just White Sox history. So, I'll, I'll never argue. Like, I wouldn't have argued if you put him first on your list, mm-hmm. just out of respect. So, um, yeah, so I, w- I wouldn't argue with him at all. Uh, for number six, I'm going to go with – or if this is number five for me, I'm going to go with Yoan. So, we're getting more oh. toward modern times for me. Um, I know he wasn't what uh, we wanted last year, but his 2019 season is going to be what we can expect from him. Yeah, I agree. Forward. He's just, he's going to be a perennial 300 hitter. He has a great eye. He's going to get on base towards a 400 clip moving forward. 
He's going to hit power both sides of the plate. He's smooth as can be. He was a gold glove finalist at third base. He is going to be an absolute superstar moving forward. And I still think he will be the best overall player on this current yeah. White Sox core, even above Robert, uh, Elo, Andrew Vaughn. I still think it's going to be Yohan. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I didn't have Yohan on the list just because mine's coming from what they've done so far from a statistical standpoint. But I do believe going forward with the eye that he has and his poise at the plate and, and his glove at third base, uh, there's a reason that he was the top prospect in baseball. There's a reason we traded uh, one of our best pitchers of all time for him because he's that good. He's that guy that can get to the plate, get on base 400 year in, year out. Uh, he, he He's incredible. Last year, that was a fluke. He had COVID and, and, it, and you know, it really didn't help his season. He's going to bounce back and look a lot more like 2019 on and look, you know, better than 2019 on uh, year in, year out. And I do, I also agree that I think Yoan Mankata can be and probably will be the best hitter uh, with this new age White Sox team. I totally think that was uh, a good pick. But moving on to my number five, uh, this one was from a purely statistical standpoint. I never watched him play. He was well before my time, uh, but that's Maglio Ordonez. Uh, I don't know. I imagine you watched a lot of uh, Maglio Ordonez when you were younger. Uh, I never watched him, but just looking at his numbers, I mean, 127 OPS plus 134 and 01, 154 and 02, 139 and 03, and then in 04, his final year, uh, a 114 OPS plus. I mean, as a hitter, that's that's just straight up consistency year in, year out, producing like that. He's got to be in the top five when you look at those numbers. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, he. I mean, I – He's, he's a polarizing subject for many reasons. Yeah. Uh, one, he bounced on the White Sox and basically told Ozzy and Frank Thomas to pound sand when he left. And then he went to the Tigers, who were the division rival. They were awesome at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was at the game, his first game back, and he got boo birds like you wouldn't believe. I was booing him. Everybody was booing him. Um, now he's, like, high up in Venezuelan politics and – I'm not going to get political, but their political scene is even uglier than ours is right now by a lot. Uh, and I know he's not liked in Venezuela too much. Um, but at the same time, there's no denying how good he was at baseball. He was just an awesome, awesome, awesome hitter. I want to say he hit like 350 for Detroit one year. I know we're yeah. in White Sox, but he was incredible. I just, uh, um, I, I, looking back, I didn't pick him because I just overlooked it. But yeah. at the same time, I might have, I'm, might have left him off the list just out of spite anyways yeah um even though he was so good in his time on the south side he was just awesome yeah no he was awesome and I know that he's definitely not one of the favorites for White Sox fans but I mean from the numbers I, I had to put him in the top five uh but moving on to number four I'm going with uh this year's MVP Jose Abreu uh I mean he's he's was the cornerstone of the team this year obviously winning that MVP uh, you know, production year in, year out, even though there were years where we weren't a good team, he was still producing. And now, you know, with guys that can play, we see what Jose Abreu, uh, what he actually is like, almost won the MVP in his rookie season. Uh, there's so much to say about Jose Abreu. He's, you know, a lot of our favorite players on the White Sox. And I mean, there's so much that goes without saying Jose Abreu is, he's definitely been the best hitter of the decade. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, words don't describe like the impact that Jose Abreu had on this White Sox team. And from that, that number four is uh, Jose Abreu. Yeah. I, I mean, I admittedly wouldn't have cared if they didn't resign him uh, prior to his new deal after 
the 2019 season yep. uh, because, you know, how often do players get better when they're 33 years old? And yeah. Abreu won out. He won an MVP. Uh, he was just flat out awesome that year. He stuck out all the losses throughout the course of the rebuild. He's the face of the franchise right now. And I think he's going to have a statue one day. He's going to be right up there with Harold Baines, Frank Thomas, all those guys, Eddie Seacott. Um, and like, like you said, like he, he's just top to bottom. He's the best hitter of the decade without a question. I have him higher on my list. I have uh, Lucas Giolito next. Uh, Lucas okay. Giolito, uh, like I've gotten to know him pr- pretty well over the last year, year or two. And he, I tell people this all the time when they ask me what he's like, I'm like, he's the best dude ever. Like he makes it easy to be a White Sox fan because he's, so, he's got such a good head on his shoulders. And this goes like far beyond baseball. Like he, he's thoughtful, he's smart, he's well-spoken. He's just a good dude top to bottom. And uh, I, I, I love that he's the ace of the staff. Uh, you saw what he, he could do in a playoff series where he went and just shoved for eight and a third inning, whatever, oh, yeah. last year in the, in the wild card round, just dominated the ace top to bottom. And uh, I love him. I, I, he's the ace of the team right now, and this team's gunning for a World Series starting this year. And I wouldn't have – there's not another pitcher in baseball I'd rather have as my ace than Luke Giolito. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lucas Giolito, he, he, didn't, he didn't quite – almost made the list – uh, he did not make it on my list, but uh, going forward as the ACL, yeah, Lucas Giolito, that playoff game, I mean, that was something. He already obviously had the no-hitter earlier this season, but he, I, he almost had a perfect game in a playoff game, and that was uh, that was something to watch, and he's a great person. Uh, I've met him uh, once or twice. He He's just an unbelievable person. His turnaround after 2018 yeah. is something that you don't really see. I mean, that's yeah. something. Best ever. I know. And, and, and that's all because of the work ethic that this guy has. And I know going forward, he's only going to get better and better. And I'm really excited to see it going as we push for a world series. Yeah. I was talking to some uh, statisticians actually today that developed this new program that Lucas Giolito is working with. And um, they're, they told me like, Hey, like his best days are far ahead. Like he's got, he's going to be even better. Like he's good now. He's really good. Now he's a, he's an all-star Cy Young caliber pitcher now. He's going to get even better, which is scary to think about. And I can't wait to see it. So, um, yeah, Lucas I, I love the guy top to bottom. He's, he's as good as they come. Uh, was that your number four or number three? What are we on now? Uh, I've lost track. Uh, but my next player would be Paul Konerko. Paul Konerko? Is that uh, – so number – I think I think we're at number three right now, maybe number two. I don't know. But, yeah uh, – Paul Konerko, uh, you want to explain that one? Yeah, I mean, Paulie is face of the World Series team, uh, 440-something career home runs. I thought that he could have stuck it out. And, I mean, he, he was kind of – he made a selfless move. He became a platoon player. I thought he could have pushed for 500, but uh, he didn't want to do that. He was so highly regarded in the organization that they thought of make, making him a player manager, which is not heard of in any sport yeah. uh, in this time and age. Um, I think Eddie Murray was the last one in, in the seventies. Um, but just as, as good and consistent as hitters you can possibly, uh, find. And I mean, world series champion, uh, just 35 plus home runs for a decade straight for the White Sox. I'm going with Paul Knerko. Yeah. I mean, Paul is a good pick. Uh, he's higher up on my list, but I mean, he was, I mean, he was, you know, our best hitter throughout, you know, 16 years with the White Sox. And he was just so consistent year in, year out. Like everyone's, most people's favorite hitter on the team, you know, one of the main pieces of that World Series team. And not just that, 
He was with the team for so long and everyone loved him. And he was just such a good person. And uh, I'm going to move on to my number three. And another guy, uh, some of them, Paul Canerco, I know you'll have him on your list and that's Mark Burley. Perfect game in 09, no hitter, no seven, uh, you know, White Sox ace since 2000. Uh, so much to say about Mark Burley, how awesome he was as a person uh, and as a pitcher and, uh, and also how good he was as a fielder. People forget, you know, that play, I don't remember, I think it was against the Indians. What, what was that? I want to say he had six straight gold gloves. Yeah, something like that. And then obviously he had that uh, glove uh, flip play. I think it was against the Indians. I don't know exactly, but uh, just so fun to watch. So much energy that he brought. Uh, he, and, and he did it all having fun. I was at his uh, at the game where they retired his number. That was that was really special to see. And yeah, Mark Burley, number three. Yeah, I mean, you can't. there's nothing bad you can say about Mark Burley. It's it's crazy in the in the world of uh, saber metrics these days. Um, you would have never thought about it 15 years ago that Mark Burley's got a chance to you know, go to the Hall of Fame. And um, if you look at his numbers, he's got you know a WAR that's at the low end of what Hall of Fame pitchers had in their careers. And um, I know just from following this year's Hall of Fame ballot that um, that he is getting some he's getting votes enough to at least you know, stay on the ballot and make yeah. people consider him. So say next year's a weak class, maybe he does sneak into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's another pitcher. Like his style is is unheard of these days because it's nothing but power, 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 power. And he was the opposite. He was throwing like, he was throwing 82, 83 mile an hour fastballs and that's not an embellishment. Like that's a division three fastball, but his location was so good. His tempo was unmatched. He kept hitters off balance. And he did it, and he won 240 games. If he would have wrote it out another few years, he could have won 300 games, and we might not ever see another 300-game winner again. Um, and for that reason, he's number two on my list. Or uh, number one on my list, I'm sorry. Number two on my list, Jose Brady. Like, he, he's, he's stuck out to rebuild, like we said. He's the face of the team, won an MVP. I, I mean, I, like, I, I was, I'm embarrassed to say that I would have – preferred that he uh probably left in free agency because i didn't think he was going to get better and he did slow down a little in the, a bit in the previous years but he's just a workhorse he's the he's the face of the team and i hope he has a statue one day yeah yeah jose abreu i mean we already went through that but uh yeah i i totally understand that and i remember before the season people were saying get get rid of abreu we got vaughn coming up as our next first baseman it's time to move on and I bet a lot of those White Sox fans uh, are regretting, you know, saying that. So Jose Abreu, uh, number two, uh, it's a great pick. Yeah, number one on my list is Mark Burley. Um, he, yeah, for me, it was a battle between uh, Abreu and Burley for the number one spot. Um, I went with Burley because he did do, I mean, he put together an arguable Hall of Fame career, uh, like I said. And I don't know if he'll wind up in Cooperstown, but the fact that he does have a shot says all, all you need to say about him. Like, he, he won a World Series. He had all the gold gloves, like we talked about. Um, multiple years where he was top five in Cy Young. 200 innings every single year. Yeah, he did it. I mean, the Hall of Fame career, um, arguably. And I do hope he winds up there because his the way he did it, um, his 36-round draft pick, I want to say. He was a junior college kid. Thought multiple times about hanging him up because people told him, hey, you're not good enough. You don't have the arm strength to get major league hitters out. And he's like, you know what? I do have, because I can, I can do it with my brains instead of 
pure arm strength in, and that's what he did. And he's number one on my list for that. Yeah. Um, I still have my two left. So I'm going to go with number two. Uh, you know, since this was a lot of this was from a statistical standpoint, uh, you know, it, this probably wasn't expected, but I'm going with Chris Sale, number two. I think, you know, obviously the team was not good at the time, but basically every year of his career, he was a top five pitcher in the AL. Never quite was the best, but he has the best strikeout to walk ratio in MLB history, which is to me a very important stat. Uh, he didn't walk a lot of guys and struck a lot out, didn't allow guys on base. He did not, you know, he, he didn't allow a lot of runs and he was just such a good ace to have for so many years. And, you know, it's a shame that the team was so bad when he was there because that's a guy who could be easily the ace on a World Series team. I mean, he was with the Red Sox, obviously. You know, we explained everything I could say earlier, but I think if you look at the numbers, he was he's a Hall of Famer. And I think from a statistical standpoint, he's the second best White Sox player since 2000. Yeah, and, and I won't argue any of your points at all. One thing that did kind of bug me is there was a lot of times, like, because they were always, like, an 80-win team, an 83-win team. Maybe they snuck around 84, 85 a couple times with, with Sale when he was the race. Um, they'd be, like, tied for the division lead late in the season in, like, August and September, and he'd have a big game against the Twins or the Tigers or whoever it was, and he'd just go out and he'd shit the bet. And that, that like, rubbed a lot of White Sox fans the wrong way. They thought he was, like, he was a choker, not a big-game pitcher. But his body of work prior to, like, like as a whole was just it, – it spoke for itself. And I, he's another pitcher I, I do think he'll wind up in the Hall of Fame. He's got to string together a couple similar years to what he's had with the Red Sox already. Post-Tommy John, we'll see if that happens. I mean, he's already on the wrong side of 30, but if anybody can do it, it's Chris Sale. So I, I yeah. won't give him at number one. Yeah, and moving on to my number one pick, I'm going with Paul Konerko. Uh, I just think, uh, you know, the, he was the captain of the team for so long. He had such a long career with the White Sox, and he was just such a solid hitter for such a long time. And I think he's another guy that could have a statue one day. I, it's not a guarantee, but he is kind of, you know, he's one of those guys that could have a statue outside of Sox Park. Everyone loved him. He was so highly regarded. I mean, we already touched up on Paul Konerko, but I think since 2000, right now, I think Abreu can pass him. I think a lot of the guys on this new team could pass him, Giolito, Mikata, Anderson, any of those guys can. But for right now, uh, uh, looking at what they've done so far, Paul Canerco is my number one pick. I love it. Yeah, um, I, I, I won't argue with that um, at, in any way. He was, a, he was the face of the organization, and there's no doubt that he will one day have a statue. Um, uh, like in, in those, that, those days – um, the retirements are easy sellout for the fans. So, I mean, even in a post-pandemic world, when we do have are allowed 40,000 people in the stands, baseball is going to be hurting for money and the organization is going to want those sellouts. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this year or next year coming up that he does get his jersey retired, but he should have it retired anyways. Hang number 14 in, you know, in the Raptors, as they say, and give him a statue. He, he deserved it. Yeah, 100%. And you know, this was, this was a great list. I really appreciate you for coming on and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully we get that world series ring this year. Let's do it. Uh, we got, I'd say five years to do it. So uh, let's make it this year and just get it out of the way and then turn it into a dynasty. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks for coming on, Dave.